Welcome everybody back to the Oklahoma Drill Podcast. I am your host, Andrew. I got my co-host Matt here with me. And now that free agency is pretty much in the books, uh, for the most part, we're not assuming any more big moves. Although after this NFL offseason, I think it's possible. Things are pretty much uh, under wraps for the most part. We can take a look at the draft, how uh, the plan for the draft is going to change, what the Jets are really going to focus on, what they don't need to focus on as much um, now after free agency and the positions they've signed. But Matt, we got some big news to talk about, as it seems like we do every week now that we get on this show. Holy um, hell, do we? Yeah. As of this morning, uh, Wednesday, I believe it is the 23rd when we are recording this, Tyreek Hill was rumored to potentially be moved from the Kansas City Chiefs. And almost immediately after that news broke, it was announced that the two teams that were really in the running were the New York Jets and the Miami Dolphins. We are now sitting here Wednesday night, knowing after the fact at the end of that afternoon that Hill did indeed get traded to the Dolphins. Uh, It was for a pretty decent haul of draft picks, although not maybe as much as people were expecting or reported that the Chiefs were looking for. Uh, Miami is giving up their first round pick, pick 29, their second round pick, pick 50, their fourth round pick, pick 125, as well as a fourth round pick and a sixth round pick in 2023. Um, Overall, uh, what was your opinion on this trade, Matt? Just for the Dolphins angle first, and then we'll get into the Jet side after that. Well, what? first of all, what a hell of a whirlwind. <laughs> it was. It was. It was a yeah, what, no definitely. more than like two hours, maybe not even. I, I don't even know how long it felt it like 200 years. So from news to break to the decision actually being made. Yeah, it, it felt like forever. Uh, I think that the fact that it, it actually happened so fast kind of leads me to believe that it was kind of already a done deal beforehand. Maybe yeah. we were uh, kind of an afterthought or even just bait to really drive up the price for Miami. Maybe I'm not sure. Uh, but for Miami, it's, it's huge. Now they have Hill, they have Waddle. Uh, they've got a stacked offense right now. Problem is they don't have a quarterback that can really throw to him deep. Uh, so he's going to be kind of limited there, uh, but good for them. I mean, they just landed a giant fish. Uh, no, no pun intended, but uh, <laughs> actually not pun intended. Uh, the, they did really well here. Uh, and you know what? I, I I'm I'm at the, uh, I'm kind of jealous, but at the same time, it doesn't change what we need to do. We still need to improve our pass rush uh, because if we can do that, we can nullify Hill's uh, really big strength of attacking downfield. If we can get to Tua or even Bridgewater, if Tua's not really cutting it, uh, if we can get to him and and cause trouble, we can really uh, stop this offense before it even gets started. So it doesn't really change what we need to do. Uh, but for us, I mean, it, it, Jets fans are just clamoring at the bits for just something good to happen. And they thought that this was it. If we can make this move happen, then maybe we've gotten over that hump. Uh, and when it didn't, I, I saw a lot of distraught Jets fans out there. Uh, the the cloud that was sitting over their heads just pouring down on them just had no sign of leaving uh so but you know what i don't think we really need to dwell on this too much jets fans uh yes it would have been great it would have been a huge move a huge move for our offense a huge uh addition just for zach's development but it's not happening, all right? It's, it's not the first time that a big free agent has decided to go somewhere else 
it won't be the last. Uh, it's our hope that we get better and maybe more uh, big free agents want to come here. But at the same time, it was a long shot that Hill was going to be coming here anyways. Uh, I think his his tweet that just went out pretty much said coming home because that's what it is for him. Miami is home. Literally. It's where he lives. It's where he trains. It's where his agent is. Uh, so it's it's very familiar with, with him. Uh, I don't think he was going to come to New York at all. Uh, but you know what? We move on. Yeah, we definitely move on. Um, I think that is the big takeaway for me after today is that the Jets, Jets fans, Joe Douglas, and everybody should not be panicking after missing out on Tyreek Hill. That is not any idea of what we need to be doing. It is not the right move. There's no real reason for it because the Jets were in a good position before today. They're in a good position after today. There was nothing that changed that made things any different for them outside of having a really good receiver uh, in the division. That's the worst thing that happened to the Jets is that he went to a division rival, not so much that they missed out on him in particular. Um, Tyreek Hill's talent is great. The Jets made their own offer, and I think this is important to be clear about, is that Tyreek Hill chose the Dolphins, not Kansas City. This was not Joe Douglas not doing what he had to do or swinging or you know not offering enough the Jets offer to the Kansas City Chiefs was accepted, and it's been reported what that offer was. The Jets offered both of their second-round picks, picks 35 and 38, as well as their third-round pick, pick 69, and they would have gotten back uh, Tyree Kill and the Chiefs' compensatory third-round pick, uh, number 103. So that was an accepted deal. Another part of this deal, and I'm sure Joe Douglas feels this way as well, um, wouldn't have made this offer and made this agreement with Kansas City without this also in place, the Jets matched the contract that he got from the Dolphins in a contract offer. He signed a four-year, $120 million extension with $72 million guaranteed after this trade went down, and the Jets reportedly matched that offer. So money specifically wasn't the issue outside of maybe the state tax, state tax difference in New Jersey and uh, Florida. But outside of that, like you said, Matt, this was Tyreek Hill wanting to go where he lives in the offseason and come home, for lack of a better word. And I think... From his perspective, if you're looking at this from the angle of a Jets fan, and I want to be very clear that I'm trying to keep any salty Jets fan bias out of this because I do legitimately think there is something to it. Who's to say that this isn't going to be him? I have my Super Bowl ring. Now I have my money and I can check out on a bad team because he's going to a worse team for a bigger paycheck. He's getting to go where he's more comfortable and live Maybe the Tyree kill that the Dolphins are going to get isn't going to be the dedicated and committed Tyree kill of a year ago or two years ago or whatever it might have you. And even if he is, Tua Tagovailoa still has to do what he can to make the trade worth it on top of that. Um, and for the Jets in particular, they still have so much ammo and draft capital to use in this upcoming draft or still potentially trade for someone that we're not expecting. Um, there were reports after the trade today that uh, the Seahawks are potentially going to listen to offers for DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. If the jets want to potentially get back in those talks, if their number isn't blocked by now. Um, but <laughs> there's, there's other options they can go. There's free agents that they can sign to add depth. And I agree that the jets have clearly wanted to make a big move and that this stings that they couldn't make a big move and it stings that it can't go to uh, that he went to a division rival. But this is not the end of the world. I don't think we need to be panicking right now at all. No, I, I don't think so at all. It's got essence of Wilkerson 
over it. Or I, I forgot yeah. which coach it was or who said it, but when Wilkerson got his deal, he's home. He was he lived close to here to to the Meadowlands. Uh, he he was back home with his buddies, and it sort of relaxed him to a point where he may not have felt the need to really push himself the way he would have, whether he when if he went somewhere else. Uh, and I that didn't really sit with me. I, I didn't really uh, believe it. I didn't really take it to heart. But you know what? Maybe there was something to that. Maybe being away from home, being out in a in a situation where you need to prove yourself every day, is what some people need to to really drive them. Especially once they have that big payday. Especially once they already have that championship. So yeah, uh, I'm not saying this is what's going to happen. Hill could probably uh, go in and 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 be a stud for them. I, I don't know, but at the same time, that's that's on the back of my mind right now. Yeah, we also don't know how his relationship with Tua is going to work out either because he's nope. used to Patrick Mahomes, who is a fantastic quarterback who also has the arm to take advantage of his speed. And the two of them had such a unique connection and a unique trust where most receivers, when it's a scramble drill, are taught to come back to the quarterback and come back to the ball. It was the complete opposite in Kansas City, where if it was a scramble drill, they told Tyreek, go run down the field. And from wherever Pat Mahomes is, he'll still be able to launch it and get it to you. That element of this game of his game is going to be gone with Tua. And if Tua struggles, even if it's not struggling, but is average and Tyreek isn't putting up the numbers or the plays that he's capable of, is he going to get frustrated? Is he going to, is, is, is that going to bother him? As a competitor, I we there's a lot of things to this that we don't know. And again, I don't want to sit here and just be like, here's all the reasons why it's going to be bad for the Dolphins after we'd be sitting here saying all the reasons it'd be good for the Jets if it happened. This is a good trade for the Dolphins, and it likely will be a beneficial one for them. But for the Jets side of it, that doesn't mean that just because it was a good trade for the Dolphins and potentially would have been a good trade for the Jets too, that the sky is falling. And if I'm Joe Douglas... It's very clear, like I said before, they want to add a veteran receiver. They tried for Calvin Ridley. I think if Calvin Ridley wasn't suspended, he'd be a Jet. I really do. After that, they inquired about DK Metcalf. Didn't seem like he was available at the time. Maybe things change in the future. Then their attention turned to Tyree Kill. They tried to put a strong effort to go after Tyree Kill. The Jets have positioned themselves in a way to make a big move. The big move they wanted to make was a stud veteran receiver for their young quarterback. I don't think that that window is completely and totally closed. And I'm going to throw something out that I saw uh, on Twitter today. I forgot who I said, saw this on Twitter, something in a comment from someone I was talking to, but it got me thinking a little bit. What if you go into the draft this year and with whether it's in the second round or at 10 overall, if Garrett Wilson is there, however it works out, you take a receiver somehow early in the draft. And knowing that the cost of acquisition is going to be significantly lower now and planning for the future, do you still trade for Calvin Ridley? Because you could potentially get him for a lot less than you would have got him before. If you add a receiver in the draft, I think you wouldn't do this until after the draft. So you wouldn't be giving up any assets for 2022. But maybe you get into camp and 
you feel confident with your receiver group, but you want to add one more piece, or maybe it's the other way. I there there's something there. Maybe I'm not sure exactly how it would totally work out, but I could see it happening potentially. The other option would be Brandon Cooks in Houston. Um, Houston is obviously rebuilding, but they don't have that many quality players at all. Maybe that's someone they want to keep for their young quarterback if they're going to roll with Davis Mills. Uh, that is yet to be seen. And then, like I said, we had Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf as potential options. I would love Terry McLaurin too, but we don't know if he's available. I think if any of these guys are available, Joe Douglas is going to swing for him though, because he's tried and he's tried in everywhere else. It seems to be the one move almost outside of outside of the extreme moves that didn't make any sense. Cooper would have was really, really expensive, likely wouldn't have wanted to resign. Or if he did resign, it would have taken a larger deal. He was also older I can understand Amari Cooper. I can also understand Devontae Adams because you would have had to pay him an extreme amount of money. And the only place he would have went was Oakland or Las Vegas anyway. Um, But it seems like everything else where there's been an opening, Joe Douglas has inquired. So I think they really, really, really want to make a move for receiver receiver. And so like I'm saying, don't panic. I think you inquire about these guys. And if the answer is it would take a monster offer to get it done, don't make the move just to get a move done to say that you did. I think that's when you get into, like we were talking about panic. That's when you make bad deals. And that's the last thing the Jets need to be doing. Absolutely. Uh, we'll start with Ridley. Uh, I don't think anything gets done this year. I think if anything, more than likely, happens, it'll probably be after the season. Once the suspensions lifted, uh, then talks will, will definitely pick up. Uh, but who knows what what things will be like then? Maybe the receiver that we pick in the in the first or, or second round uh, is a stud. <laughs> then the the need for uh, for really really goes down, or or even an, another big name it goes down. Uh, now, if we're talking pre draft trades, Cooks is definitely somebody uh, I think could could work. Uh, McLaurin and, and DJ Moore, I I don't think they're going to be going anywhere because Moore I, I just signed an extension. In Carolina, okay, so, so I think that I think that takes him out. I would have loved him too. He would have been another good option. If you remember when we did dream off seasons, the first thing I did was trade George Fanton for DJ Moore. How great of a yeah. move would have that been? Would that have been back then? Looking yeah, back right. now, but now uh, I yeah, that's not happening. Uh, DK, maybe he's definitely got the more connection. Uh, it would be nice to pair those two again. Uh, but at the same time, it doesn't seem like. Seattle's really itching to get rid of him. Uh, it's not the same as it was with the Chiefs and Hill. Uh, no. So I don't see that happening right now. But you know what? Things change very quickly, as today uh, is evidence of. So I will never count that out. Never say never. Uh, Cooks. Uh, one name that I, I was uh, thinking about was Emmanuel Sanders. Uh, if he doesn't retire. I, I, know, I heard that there was inklings that he was leaning that way. But if he doesn't. Uh, I think he would be a solid bet signing, uh, and would definitely hold the hold the line really uh, while we let a rookie and more develop. Uh, and I don't, I'm of the. I, I, we were talking last episode about how the Jets might incorporate more two tight end sets, and that really sat in my brain and really germinated. Uh, I kind of love the idea of going into a more of a two tight end set. And I kind of I, I I threw this idea out to to Twitter just to see what they thought about it, and of course I used the New England example 
mm-hmm. which is probably a really bad example to, to, to use for that. If you're trying uh, to get Jets gonna, fans on board, I don't know about using New England. Yeah. They're like, no, you got the greatest quarterback of all time and two probably Hall of Fame numbered uh, projected uh, tight ends. But yeah, I get that. I'm not really comparing the players. I'm comparing how we could use more tight ends, two tight ends. Yes, the usage. Uh, I think maybe a better example would have been San Francisco with uh, Kaepernick and Davis. Uh, I'm not sure who their second tight end was, but they also used a lot of Walker. Delaney Walker. Uh, so they did a lot of that and they were got to the Super Bowl and also the conference championship game using a lot of two tight end sets. So it's not just New England that had this kind of success. Uh, you don't need uh, tight ends with Hall of Fame trajectory to do this. You could do it with the guys that we have and it would definitely lessen the need for that number three court uh, wide receiver to really be the stud that Hill is, or, uh, well, of course, if, if we got Hill, he would have been the number one, and that probably would have pushed uh, more Corey Davis into that number three slot. Uh, so, yeah, getting uh, doing more two tight end sets uh, would definitely lessen the need for this. Uh, so I don't think it's absolutely necessary that we go after the big name. If one frees up, I'm sure JD will be on the horn trying to get something done. Uh, but I'm also not going to lose any sleep if he doesn't because I have confidence that he's probably going to bring in at least one more vet just to kind of fill out the depth and then probably just go to the draft and see what happens in the first or second round. Uh, I've seen people. Yeah. Sorry. I've seen people say that we should double up on wide receiver. I don't think that's incredibly necessary either, uh, especially if we fill out the back end of it, because then you're just going to have, uh, another rookie that's uh, an uncertainty uh, competing right. with a vet that you just brought in with, for real money. So I don't know. Yeah, I think I think sign a vet and draft one is going to be the wrap. And yeah. if I'm looking at it from that angle, you had mentioned Emmanuel Sanders. I wouldn't be 100% against it, but it probably wouldn't be my first idea. Um, Looking at the guys that are available, just a handful of the bigger names that I wrote down. I did not write Emmanuel Sanders among the list that I had, but you can throw him in as well. Um, I'm not advocating for any one of these guys in particular. I'll talk about who would I would I would target next, but those would be just in general, biggest, best options of the free agent receivers. Jarvis Landry, Odo Beckham Jr., Will Fuller, Julio Jones, T.Y. Hilton, Sammy Watkins. You can throw Emmanuel Sanders in there if you would like. Maybe Deshaun Jackson if you'd like. Most of those guys are at the end of their career. Most of those guys are definitely older, not what they were in their primes, et cetera, et cetera. The one guy, and I know he's coming off an injury, but the one guy that intrigues the heck out of me is Odell Beckham. Oh, yeah. Because ACLs are healing faster than they ever have before. And yes, he literally tore it as late as you possibly could playing in the NFL, tearing it in the Super Bowl. But if we can get a rookie in the second round and we already have Elijah Moore and we have Corey Davis and Odell Beckham can be playing by late October, November. And you can get him for a good amount of money. And maybe you sign him to a longer contract, or maybe you have the opportunity of just a two year deal with an option. I really think that that could be a sneaky good addition. I think he's of terms of just talent of the available guys left. He is by far the best. 
And I'm honestly a little surprised that a really, really talented team, like maybe even the Kansas City Chiefs, for instance, uh, when they after went after Juju, I'm really surprised that they weren't involved in that. I'm really surprised that that wasn't a guy that they would have interest in. What I, like I said, I wouldn't hate Emmanuel Sanders. I wouldn't necessarily hate Will Fuller either. I'm just worried about his health. And the last thing they just need is a guy that isn't going to be available, as yeah. I say, after advocating for Odell, <laughs> Odell. after his injury. But I'm th- that's the difference in talent between Odell and Will Fuller. Is I'd yeah. be willing to be a little more forgiving with Odell's injuries because of his talent versus Will Fuller. His injury history is so extensive. And when he's on the field, he's good, but he's not amazing like Odell could be. Um, I really like the idea of a pairing of Odell Beckham in free agency and George Pickens at 35. You know how I like Pickens. Oh, I know. You know how you got me to like Pickens. You <laughs> you put me on him after I went through pretty much every other receiver under the sun uh, for a couple of weeks there in the middle of February. And then just recently you were texting me about Pickens and I went and watched him myself and the little bit of tape that he has uh, again, looking injury history, you're going to have to have some concessions here. And this is the yeah. thing where we're saying, don't panic. This is why you get two guys. Um, the, his injury history is a little spotty as well, but if he can stay healthy, his talent again is incredible. And I think that those could be without using a first round pick and without either in the draft or a trade, I think that's the best you can do for your receiver options. Uh, yeah, I. It it's really hard to gauge who's going to be dropping to the second round because with wide receivers, it's all about preference. What yeah. do the other 31 teams want out of a receiver? Do they want that height and physicality? Do they want that long speed? Do they want a reliable guy that can play inside and outside with reliable hands? Uh, what, who do they want? Do they, uh, so there's such a variety of receivers that it's really hard to say. I can see Pickens going in the first round. Uh, if somebody is betting on his upside, wouldn't be surprised. Uh, and I, I would not be surprised at that at all. Uh, and, but I would, I'd be a little worried of pairing him and Odell because I would at least want one of them to be kind of reliable injury wise. Ideally, uh, ideally, uh, but I wouldn't hate it because they both have so much talent. Odell's is one of my favorites coming out. Uh, I was calling him a first round pick before anybody even had him above like the fifth round, fourth or fifth round. So he's a guy that really has a place in my heart. So I would love Odell. I think he would be fine here. Uh, I don't know if, if JD would really want to bring any kind of drama because drama seems to, follow Odell wherever he goes, except for St. Louis, but I don't know if he was there long enough to really cause any drama. Uh, but yeah, I definitely want to pair a vet with uh, a draft. Well, they had a quarterback who was actually capable of throwing to him, so imagine what happens. It, when, it doesn't hurt. It when, really yeah. doesn't hurt to have that. <laughs> um, but yeah, at my personal favorite uh, to actually make it to the second round is it's hard because I, I who I see dropping the second round is maybe Watkins, uh, or sorry, Watson and Dotson and Burks. I see those three making it to second round. Uh, I agree. I would probably two. go. I'd probably go Watson, although he has probably the greatest chance out of those three to probably crack the first round, also because of his upside. Twenty-two to Green Bay. Yep. So yeah, he, he's the perfect fit for Green Bay. Uh, so I could I could definitely see him not being there, but if he's there, I would love to to snag him. 
Uh, he'd be a great developmental guy to just have there. Uh, you can't teach that speed. Uh, you can't teach that height. Uh, I'd like him to get his drops a little bit under control. Uh, he did have a pretty high drop percentage uh, throughout his career, uh, bordering on tight. High, it was probably high for like tight ends also. So that's a little. He was also way. the only part of their passing game at all. Exactly. Yes. So but just for, again, for context, really quick, just this quick stat on Christian Watson, not to cut you off, but I, yeah. I just for reference of how much better Christian Watson was as a receiver than everybody else at North Dakota State. 16 total players, including Christian Watson, caught passes for them last year. He accounted for 35% of their total passing yards and receiving by himself. That's a huge market share. It's, he, yeah, exactly. Uh, I, they were a running offense, but it's still. But even, when they did throw, he was the only they one throw, they threw to. Exactly. Uh, and it was nice to see him at the Senior Bowl really uh, thrive against better talent. Uh, whether it was beating people deep, I routinely saw him uh, really stacking receivers, uh, stacking uh, d- defensive backs and, and really getting that separation downfield. Uh, I saw him against press man, uh, really manhandle uh, quarterbacks, even d- drove one into the ground to, to get separation. Uh, so he has what it takes to really do what we want him to do against better talent. Uh, and even in the, the NFL at the next level. So he's the kind of, he's the kind of guy I would be looking for if he's there, which he probably won't be. I'd be all over him if he's there. But like you said, I, I really don't think he's going to last that long. Could the Jets yeah. maybe I could see a late trade up into the back end around one to secure him? Possibly. I would give that aggressive move an A plus uh, if that were to be the case. Um, this is the last thing I want to say about this before we get to free agency as a whole and the rest of the draft. And this is why I think. Again, going back to the whole main topic of don't panic, we need to, again, say don't panic. Obviously, the Jets need to continue to do more in their receiving group. 100% we all agree. We all think that. And it seems like by all indications, the Jets know that too. And they've been trying to do what they can to add a really big name and make an impact splash instead of dipping in the free agent market and the middle tier, or the, the top tier at the front and overpaying for a Christian Kirk or uh, giving Allen Robinson a huge extensive deal with his age uh, or anything like that. But regardless, I'm confident that the Jets are going to add some more receiver help in one way or another in the coming months through veteran uh, veterans and free agency that are left and the draft. That said, if Tyreek Hill was the difference in Zach Wilson being good or not, we got other problems because we should be confident that the offensive line is going to be improved with the addition of Lake and Tomlinson and hopefully Becton in whatever uh, capacity that he's playing on the left or right side Uh, year two of Vera Tucker. We hope McGovern can improve with not having GVR next to him and a rookie Vera, Vera Tucker in some instances to, to drag along. We're hoping that the running game can be better. Michael Carter in year two, they re-signed Tevin Coleman. Braxton Berrios is back uh, on top of that. And we're hoping Zach himself improves. We're all hoping that Zach is able to take the second year leap and turn into the superstar talented quarterback that he has the physical capability to be. It's can he put that physical capability together, harness it and take over the mental aspect of the game as well as the reactionary aspect of the game when he's literally there between the lines. Zach Wilson needs to put in the work to do that himself. And adding a great receiver in Tyree Kill would do a lot to help him develop and be good for him directly, of course. But 
it shouldn't be the deciding factor in whether Zach Wilson's going to develop or not. This shouldn't be the thing that sits us that that sets fire alarms off going, oh, no, we didn't get Tyreek Hill. Zach's going to suck now. That shouldn't yeah. be the case. We should be sitting here going, OK, would we have loved to add this type of quality receiving option and add a big name? Sure. And with the way this NFL offseason is going, who knows going to be who's who knows who's going to be available next that we're not expecting. So maybe it still could happen and we don't even know who it is, but it shouldn't have to happen to make this a great offseason and for us to feel confident that Zach Wilson's going to take a step forward in year two. We should feel confident of that already and would have been excited to see what he would have done in his step forward with this piece, not banking on this piece to be the end all be all. I don't think if the Jets don't go out and get a great veteran receiver that Zach Wilson's going to be terrible. And I think if you looking at it through that shallow of a lens, I think you're really missing the the bigger picture. Yeah, I, I wholeheartedly agree. Um, see, uh, yeah, uh, Hill was not the end all be all. Like you said, uh, we still have the draft. There's still so much we can do to improve what needs to be improved to get the depth where we need the depth. Um, yeah, uh, Hill would have helped, but yeah, uh, uh, we move on. Uh, I, it, it wouldn't have been the, the one thing, like you said, no, it shouldn't be the deciding factor. Yeah. Uh, so but I think this is the year, though, where we really get to see if Zach is going to be that guy. Because as of right now, even with who we have, with even without the draft, I think there is enough there to really see uh, if Zach has it. I think he has enough talent around him uh, up front in the offensive line and with the receivers and tight ends and running backs that he has uh, to really do damage. Uh, I don't think he has an excuse. I, I, I can sort of sense people kind of developing that excuse now that, oh, he didn't, we didn't get Hill. So that's why he right. didn't develop. They that, didn't that, get Calvin Ridley. They, they didn't get DK Metcalf. They didn't have good enough receivers. No one could get open. Yeah, I can. Yeah, no. We can see the narratives forming already. And that's where I think it's important to get out ahead of it and not panic again and say, this shouldn't be the deciding factor in a good way. And it shouldn't be the deciding factor in a bad way either. Absolutely. And I, I hear people saying, oh, but what about rotation and injuries? We need this depth or we're going to suck. Uh, well, at the same time, how many teams can lose their top three wide receivers like we did last year yeah. and still be okay? That is a hard, hard thing to overcome. Uh, and we still kind of did it. We almost beat Tampa Bay and the goat Brady with and they Barrios made sure to bring Barrios back, which yeah, and they, they made sure, sure to bring him back. So again, if we're looking at it from the depth angle, Keelan Cole could still potentially be brought back on a very, very cheap contract and yeah. be another piece of depth. They tendered Jeff Smith, so they have some bodies. And yes, you can have, have to be weird, uh, mindful of injuries but i think if you're going into the season assuming everyone's going to get hurt like you the best you can do is put the best players possible on your roster and hope they all make it to to week one that absolutely is, that's at the end of the day that's all joe douglas can do yep uh, so plan for the worst but you know what just be happy that what we have right now starting if you throw out our starters right now they're not bad it, i would say this is a group that's maybe, I don't know, top 20, top 15 in weapons. I would say top 20. I don't know if top I would 20, say top 15, 15, but maybe yeah. it, but maybe it'll be around 15 itself after the draft. 
and yes. after free agency. It has the potential to get better. This is not the end. It is not the end, folks. Which leads us to what what should we do if we're not thinking wide receiver? Yeah, that's um that is the question. Uh, I think this is the perfect transition to looking at the rest of the draft as a whole, specifically the first and second round, because I think with the ammo the Jets have with their four uh, picks in the top 40 being fourth overall, 10th overall, 35th and 38, you got to address your biggest remaining needs with those picks in some way, shape or form. Um, and those biggest remaining needs are edge rusher, defensive tackle and wide receiver. Now that wide receiver wasn't filled through a trade. So looking at this draft as a whole, looking at the strength of it, looking at which players fit the Jets and where things align with those picks. I think it makes sense to both of us that the fourth overall pick should be an edge rusher because we think the talent at fourth overall and the edge rusher talent that is available is more than worthy of that pick where we think the receiver talent while good, isn't quite that good. And the only one we'd really both feel comfortable taking um, at 10, let alone four would be Garrett Wilson, unless you feel otherwise. Um, Yeah, no, I feel uh, right on board with that. Uh, I was looking the other day for the last, uh, two to three years about where the the top sack leaders were drafted uh, and in the top 20 about 60 percent of edge rushers in the the top sack uh, leader category were all drafted in the first round mm-hmm. uh, and it was the same for defensive tackle actually I, I thought that would have been a little bit uh, more dispersed but that was right up there with edge rusher uh, is uh, first round defensive tackles and then I did wide receivers uh, scoring and and, and yardage and that's only 30, 35% in the first round. So that is way more spread out. Uh, so if we're talking about finding a stud receiver to, to help Zach, I am okay looking to the second round. Uh, if, but right now, looking at the AFC, this conference is stacked on offense between Hill now going to Miami, mm-hmm. Buffalo still a problem. Uh, yep. New England's not going anywhere. And then you have the rest of the conference that has improved as well with all these godlike quarterbacks just floating around. So we need to get to these quarterbacks. We need to stop these offenses before they can really hurt us downfield. Uh, so we need to improve that pass rush post haste right now, first and second pick in the first round. Uh, yeah, I, I wholeheartedly agree. Um, the the fourth overall pick is going to be a defensive end. And I think right now, March 23rd, it's quite honestly, in my opinion, I think it's down to two players and it's Kayvon Thibodeau or Jermaine Johnson. And if Thibodeau is there at four, I think he'll be a jet. And if not, I think it's Jermaine. And that's how fourth overall pick is going to go. I think the Jets have had that plan for a long time. Now, 10 is where it gets interesting. And like we've been talking about the potential receiver talent that could be available in the second round. Look at it from the angle of defensive tackle and say, look at the defensive tackle talent that could be available in the second round. There's two names and it's Travis Jones and Perry and Winfrey. The only one of those guys that is a run stuffer that really fits with the jets need is a defensive tackle. Cause I think if it's they do Jones. take an edge, right. If they do take an edge, JFM is going to be playing more inside on pass downs and you're not going to see him more. You're going to see him as an edge early downs and then inside as a defensive tackle a lot more than he was last year. 
Yeah. Harry and Winfrey is great. And I really like his tape, but he's a lot more of a gap penetrator and a pass rusher. Not that he can't play the run, but it's not where he's absolutely best. Travis Jones is a run stuffer and Jordan Davis is a run destroyer. So if I'm looking at this again from talent available, capable and prospect greats with the 10th overall pick, Jordan Davis is going to be a top 10 player for me. That no qualms about it. His talent would be top 10 worthy. Absolutely. He's the only defensive tackle that I'm going to have a first round grade on. Uh, maybe Devonte Wyatt. I love his tape and I think he could be there later, but again, I'm not quite sure he fits the same role and I'm just slightly, slightly worried um, about his anchor. I mm. think he's going to be a really good pass rusher. I think he's going to be really, really good at what he does best. I'm just worried about for his fit with the Jets and his anchor exactly how that feels. So I'll, he'll probably get a late first, maybe early second. Jordan Davis is getting a top 10 grade. The only receiver I'm giving a grade that high to is Garrett Wilson. So quite honestly, if Garrett Wilson is gone, I could very, very well see Jordan Davis being the pick at 10th overall, if the Jets stay at 10th overall. If he yeah, is I not, if Garrett Wilson is available, I think the Jets will pass. I think so, too. Uh, and I think that's probably prime uh, time for maybe JD trading back into the first uh, if he does grab his wide receiver at 10, because I feel like he still wants to go after that defensive tackle. Uh, you worry about why it's anchor. I think that's something that will iron out quicker than maybe Travis Jones uh, becoming more of a penetrator or Winfrey Agreed. becoming more of a gap stuffer. I think he's got less of a, of a gap between where he needs to be and where he is. Uh, and what he already does is so good uh, that I, I really wouldn't mind trading back into the first to get him. Uh, so that would mean. uh, we get Wilson at 10 and, and Davis at, at wherever, maybe with the Green Bay pick, we can we can trade with them. Uh, I I like that idea of trading back in because as of right now, do we really need all four top 40 picks? I, I don't, don't think, think so. we need them. No, I, I, I think we've done enough in free agency. And clearly JDs doesn't think so either. Yeah, exactly. He's willing to give away both his second round picks uh, for Hill. Uh, so... I think he's more than willing to to make that big trade uh, back into the first round. Uh, but yeah, wide receiver, edge, defensive tackle, probably not, whatever order it is on draft night, we'll see. But it's probably definitely going to be those three with the first three picks. Yeah. And even though, just as, as a quick end here, because I'm sure people will, will ask and consider it, even though the Dolphins just traded for Tyreek Hill, that does not mean the Jets should be drafting Sauce Gardner at four. Uh, that's no, really they made their they made their play for DJ Reed, who was a really good fit in their system. System we saw the sheer amount of zone coverage that he played in Seattle, and it was primarily where he was best. And they signed him knowing that, and that's what Robert Sala is going to want his scheme to be. The rush four drop seven an idea behind it really works best when it's more of a zone than a man. Other than that, you're just playing two men all day and teams are going to be able to pick that apart underneath. So I think they're going to be a more of a zone based defense. We already know the Jets corners aren't going to be traveling. DJ Reed came out and said in an interview, he's playing right corner. So they're playing sides. 
again, that to me says so. Sauce Gardner's great. Love him as a prospect. Fantastic. Best corner in this draft. No doubt about it. Better in press. Better in press and better in man than necessarily zone. I don't think the Jets are going to take him. I just, I, I don't. And I can see everyone's going to say, oh, Richard Sherman and the similarities. Yeah, absolutely. 100% get that. Look at the guys Robert Sala has put in his secondary. They're smaller. He wants guys that can break on the ball fast and don't have to worry about change of direction as much. And Sauce is really fluid. He can break on the ball well again, not trying to say anything against him. But guys like DJ Reed, guys like Jason Verrett, um, who was the other corner? Um, Akel Witherspoon in San That's Francisco. Um, they, they've routinely had these guys. And yes, they went out and signed Richard Sherman too, but there was already a familiarity with Sala and the experience of Sherman. Richard Sherman is Richard Sherman. They're not sitting there and saying, just because you're re-signing Richard Sherman, that doesn't mean that you would automatically draft someone that profiles similar to them, but maybe doesn't play in the exact same style of defense. Richard Sherman was a good man defender, but he was a really good zone defender, and Mm -hmm. that's where he made his money. So just like all these other guys in the Jets defense are zone defenders, I just don't see the fit being there. I don't think it makes as much sense. I don't think it's it's going to be a bad decision if they pass on him and sitting there and using the argument of, well, the Dolphins just traded for Tyreek Hill and we need to cover him, I think is irrelevant because in this defense, he's not going to be traveled by any corner anyway. So if the if the Dolphins can just put Tyreek on the other side of Sauce Gardner every play, then what was the point? Yeah, exactly. Uh, much in the same vein, I think we could say that about Ike Mekwanu as well. Agreed. Uh, that we shouldn't be thinking offensive tackle or even offensive guard if people see him uh, moving inside for a year or, or whatever. Either way, you do not draft depth or insurance at pick four. At, at that, four, no. At that That is a cardinal sin. He, JD would be arrested on site, uh, throw away the key. And he's smart enough not to make that move. Like to be very, very clear is that as much as people want to sit there and go, Joe Douglas is the offensive lineman background. He values the trenches. All of that's true. That's why he's taking an edge rusher at four. Yep. (laughs) Because, because because they have a needed edge rusher and they, he just, and he just paid $40 million for a guard. Like that's, it, it makes no sense to me. It makes no sense. No. And on, on top of that, is he really a guru? If he's just taking multiple top 10, uh, offensive tackle or offensive lineman. That's just... and then forcing them to switch positions a year later. Exactly. That's that's kind of grabbing at low hanging fruit and eating it. <laughs> so it's, yeah. That's it's not what I would expect him to do. Yeah. It's not what I want him Correlation to do. Correlation and causation. There is a difference between the two. There is. Uh, so yeah, I I think the only thing really left is what we've been saying. Take edge at four maybe defensive tackle or wide receiver at 10 and then whichever one you didn't take at 35 that's or it. even later in the first round, call it that's a day. 100, that's hundred percent. It it's edge at four, take a receiver at 10. If it's Garrett Wilson and he's available, if not, I think you can look to take Jordan Davis or if not, I think you can look to trade down. Uh, I had a mock draft come out on Jets X factor yesterday, full uh, first round mock. Second one I'm do- I've done this off season. Last one will be the morning of the draft. Uh, and in that, 
uh, mock draft. I had the Jets trading down from 10, the Philadelphia Eagles. They come up and take Sauce Gardner because they are a man coverage defense, uh, and he would pair very well with Darius Slay, and they're likely to take a corner um, relatively high, and they have three first-round picks. If they see Sauce falling, an opportunity to come up and get him, I think they're going to be enticed to do it. I don't even think it's an option where I was making this prediction going, this makes sense for the Jets and they're going to trade down. I was sitting there going, if I'm the Eagles and I have these three first round picks between 15 and 19, and I can use, I can part ways with one of them to move up a couple of spots and get a corner that I really, really value. I think it makes sense for them as well. Jets then with picks four, 16 and 19, take Jermaine Johnson. Jordan Davis and Chris Olave, which is edge DT wide receiver. And I, the jets in turn give up a second round pick to uh, make that deal even. So the jets lose 38 as well as pick 10. Like we were saying, do they need all of these picks? Do they need all of these top 40 picks? Well, there the jets are just found a way to turn one of their extra twos into a third one. And I think they would much rather do that than have those two twos. Like we're saying, potentially trade back into the end of round one. It's the same idea is turning those second round picks into another first rounder, getting another impact player. And I really think Joe Douglas wants to walk out of the first round with an edge, a DT and a receiver. Yeah, I can most definitely see that. Why wait for the second round? Uh, When you can make a move and get your guy, uh, depending on who their guy is. And I feel like, JD's actually pretty good at judging when people will go. Uh, I feel like he took that chance with Mims. I mean, you could say what you want about Mims and how he's developed, but JD took that chance and traded down and he still got Mims, who I feel like he was aiming for the whole time. Yep. Uh, and he Same also thing with Becton around Becton, earlier. Yep. They had and a Hall. trade potentially in place. Yeah. And Bryce Hall. They had a trade potentially in place um, to come up uh, and skip the Browns if. Jacksonville were uh, wouldn't have taken CJ Henderson if they would have taken another offensive tackle and Jedrick Wills or if the Cardinals at eight, excuse me, took an offensive tackle. If they took someone and it wasn't Jedrick Wills uh, or it was Jedrick Wills or either way, the Jets had a trade agreed to already in place in the event that that happened with the Jaguars to come from 11 to nine and they would have taken Jedrick Wills at nine. Once the Cardinals took Isaiah Simmons, that meant that between picks nine, and 10, Mackay Becton, Jedrick Wills, and Tristan Wirfs were available, and the Jets knew that they would get at least one of those three, so they called the trade off. But Joe Douglas, betting that his guy would be available. He wanted Becton. He chose him over Wirfs. He was going to, he really wanted Jedrick Wills, and then after that, he said, well, I think at least Becton will be available. And he was right. So this is, I think, trust in Joe Douglas. We have no reason not to. Yep, and you know what, this I wholeheartedly think that his first draft uh, was really impacted by Gase a lot. So this would be his second draft without that albatross around his neck. Uh, So I could see this draft uh, being more like last year's draft than than his first. Uh, So we'll we'll see. I, I, like you said, trust in JD and the process. Uh, It's looked good so far. Uh, Hill uh, aside, I, I think we can be happy with where we're going and where we are right now. Yeah, I think so as well. Uh, I definitely think so as well. Do not panic. All is okay. The Jets are still in a good position today as they were yesterday. Nothing has changed. We just got uh, a tough receiver to deal with in the division. But 
we'll get to watch uh, as the relationship between Tua and Tyreek completely dissolves after Tua underthrows every pass uh, downfield that he's open for. So that'll be fun, at least. Um, I think that's going to do it for this week. Uh, guys, stay tuned in the next coming weeks are about five weeks away from the draft. Uh, we're going to start our position previews like we did last year, start off the show and its very origins going through a couple of those handful of positions. Like we mentioned really quick tonight, defensive tackle edge receiver. We'll go through the whole draft class, get through every position, couple of guys that we're interested for positions. The jets could be interested in as well. Um, players to watch overall, give you guys a real good understanding of this draft class and stay tuned. We might have some fun guests along the way to do that with us, uh, not to get too ahead of myself or spoil anything too much. Just stay tuned. I promise there's a lot more good content coming. Matt, let's go ahead and drop our handles and wrap this one up. Uh, Matt, you can find me at Zazzy Jets. And you can find me at Andrew Golden underscore 17. Make sure you guys also follow at OKD Podcast. And always, thank you so much for listening, and we will be back real soon. Bye-bye.